pray, Lord Jesus, we just open up your word today. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each person personally. What it is that you would have them take home from today's message. And so, Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit, stir it up. Stir us up. Do what it is that you're doing. And allow us to be part of that. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, why don't you open up your Bible to Acts chapter 13, whether you be on a cell phone or a Bible app or a hard copy. Uh, if you've got a Bible and you've got a hard copy, uh, I'm going to ask you to circle certain words in your Bible. Or uh, of, um... All right, so here we are. We're at Acts uh, chapter 13, and uh, I want to uh, point out uh, something where I want to go with a sermon, sort of an outline of the sermon before I read it, because I'm going to do quite a bit of reading through this uh, chapter. Um, maybe I won't, because we'll be running out of time. But... Uh, I, I want you to notice how Paul shows up to Antioch, and it's a new city, and he's got to try and connect with the people. So the first thing is, how does he connect? And the application for you is, how are you going to connect? And they're going to be totally different. Uh, the next thing I want you to notice is, how does Paul summarize the good news? Uh, and the application for you is this, how are you going to summarize the good news to people that you potentially might want to be talking to. Uh, and then uh, the third point is this. Uh, Paul has a point. He knows where he's going. There, there's, there's an object of what he's trying to say. He's not like just meandering around and talking around and around. He's trying to uh, ask people to do something. There, there, he's going somewhere. He wants people to embrace the good news, to receive it. That's the, the point. And similarly, for your application, you might be thinking, how when you speak to whoever you might speak to, what is it that you're actually going to ask them to do? Okay, so let's uh, uh, look at this uh, Acts chapter 13. And it's uh, starting at uh, verse 13, because we did the first uh, missionary journey to the island uh, of Cyprus the last time I preached. But here, uh, Paul is on his way to Antioch uh, in Pisidia. So Paul and his companions left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. Now, it is exam season. Many kids are writing, college kids, high school kids are writing finals. Often, when you have a certain teacher, they will say, look, we need you to write an essay and it needs to be one page long. And if you are like lacking enough information for that page, you're like, I've got to get some filler here, you know, like fill this page out. I, and, and I think it's a good idea to put something on your paper rather than nothing. You, you get zero if you put nothing. I mean, I learned this one. And if you only have a little bit of knowledge, you like, you got to kind of like amplify it. 
Let me suggest that Paul, uh, that Luke, writing this account of Paul, he's not trying to put in filler here to like fill out the Bible. You know, let me just put a whole bunch of random names and places and people and, and you know, just like fill up the chapter a little bit. I don't think that's what's going on. What I do think's going on is that the Bible and the, as followers of Jesus, uh, these are real people. These are real places, and these are real events. I mean, you know, we believe uh, based on a lot of very helpful facts, and it's useful to know that Paul went to real places, spoke to real people, you know, that this is not just, you know, some strange dream. Uh, Anyway, so uh, Paul also has a plan. Uh, I believe that Paul was very intentional. And I believe in some ways we should be very intentional. Uh, Paul has a plan. He wants to take the good news to people that have never heard the good news. And Paul's plan is pretty simple. He says, I am an educated Jew. I am received in synagogues. There's a format that would take place in the synagogue where if you were coming from outside and you were a respected Jewish teacher, they would say, hey, can you bring us a word of encouragement? You know, what, can you tell us what's happening in Jerusalem or uh, something to, the, to add to the synagogue? And Paul knew that this was a terrific opportunity, a great opening for him, and uh, he would use it uh, and use it well. So strategically, uh, Paul was thinking, okay, how do I bring the good news to strange places, new cities? His plan is to go to the synagogue, and when he's given the opportunity to speak, to have a really thought-out way of speaking, and that's what he does. But there's more intentionality than just that. Paul is also thinking, like, what are the strategic cities that I need to uh, be, be preaching at? What city would have the biggest influence for, you know, my effort? What's the biggest bang for my buck? Now, one of the mysterious things about our walk in faith with the Lord is this. On the one hand, uh, God appeals to all of those like myself that are planners and are strategically minded, and we think ahead, and we we come up with these great ideas of how we're going to do things, and that's what Paul is doing, and God really blesses it. But on the other hand, God is equally excited to use people that are artistic and haven't got a planning brain in their uh, cell in their brain, and they just go to kind of go with the flow. And if the door closes, the door closes, it opens here, it opens there, and God just uses that too. So, you know, I, I think it's both. You plan with the Lord, and you give your plans to the Lord, and you let the Lord guide you, and you do guiding. And you know, it's wonderfully freeing to be able to walk like that in the Lord. It's also wonderfully frustrating because you're saying, God, you know, just help me, guide me, just give me an answer, Lord, yes, yes or no. And sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that Paul is being strategic and all these towns that he's mentioning here, he's on a mission. He's trying to get to Antioch and to share the gospel. And now uh, here is his way of uh, telling the whole Old Testament to their audience. He knows he can't. Uh, preach for hours and hours. He's got to get to the point. Uh, But he's also got to get people from where they are to where he's trying to get them. And this is the way Paul does it. Now, you're probably not going to do it this way. I'm pretty certain that if you use this exact same method, uh, you're going to get a zero. Unless maybe you are invited 
to some synagogue to preach. And I highly doubt that you're going to get invited to a synagogue to preach. Because most synagogues know what the end point is that we're going to, which is Jesus. And they don't want you to go there, so they're not going to invite you to go there. They're not going to invite me to go there. So the relevance here, though, is how does Paul, to his audience, which is super like they, they're zoning in. This is like really interesting to them. But for us, it's also interesting because he's summarizing the whole Old Testament. Uh, listen to this. So Paul stood, lifted his hands to quiet them and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. So straight away, he's like, okay, I'm coming to speak to the Jewish people first, but the God-fearing Gentiles, there's other people that, are, that know about God, they're living for the Lord, but they're not Jews. He says, the God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. The first thing Paul is doing, he's linking his audience to where they are at and where he wants to go. The Jewish people all knew that they were chosen. They were the chosen people. That's why they're Jewish. That's why they're in synagogue. They know they're special. They know that God has had a plan for them. And Paul is zoning right in on that. He's saying, that's what God started out doing. And where he's going is God is still doing this. And it's for you. So it's very personal. Uh, And he says, they didn't just like hang around in Egypt as slaves. He said he allowed them to multiply and grow during their stay in Egypt. Just like summarizes that real quick. Uh, Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Doesn't he elaborate how they got out of Egypt? He doesn't elaborate why he had to put up with them. But obviously you get the tone here from Paul. It's like, okay, these people weren't really that obedient but God put up with them. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. I mean, you talk about a summary. I mean, Paul is like moving along pretty quick. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then people begged for a king and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. Which, by the way, you know, Paul just want to throw in there because he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Probably nobody else could care less, but made him feel good. So he said it, and he connects the dots anyway. Uh, who, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Okay, so... Totally rose-colored glasses. David, you, you never messed up. You didn't commit adultery. You didn't murder anybody. You're just like, you're just awesome because you have a heart after God. And Paul is just pressing this point because the Jewish people knew that David was like their hero and they knew the Messiah was coming from the lineage of David. And Paul is just getting there in a hurry. He says, um, and it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finished his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not. But he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be his slave 
and untie the sandals of his feet. So Paul is moving pretty quickly in his story. And one of the things that you need to do is figure out in your story uh, to the people that you want to talk to, how do you summarize the good news of Jesus uh, so that you're hitting the high places, the high points, the connection places for the audience that you want to speak to? And of course, it changes depending on your audience. But you need to use uh, the material of the Bible uh, that God can put power on that and, and infuse something in that. And then Paul does what any good preacher would do. He makes it really practical. He's not just talking to these people, you know, like what God has done in the past, and they all sort of fall asleep. Uh, he makes it real personal. He says, brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation uh, has been sent to us. I mean, now all of a sudden it's personal. It's like, okay, 450 years, blah, blah, blah. But... It's been sent to us. And it's not only to the Jews, it's also to the non-Jews. It's like to everybody sitting in the room that Paul's preaching to. He said, hey, this is for you. This is good news. It's for you. Listen up. God is about to do something. There's an invitation coming, uh, and God's on the move. And so uh, he continues to uh, preach the Word of God uh, in ways that connect with them. And in verse 32, he says, And now we are here to bring you this good news. He has the point. Paul is now leading up to this point. He said, we are gonna, we're here for a purpose. This is not random. It's not accidental. We want to bring you this good news. And then he carries on preaching. He carries on connecting with them. And in verse 38, he says this. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. So where, where the Apostle Paul is going with this, he's saying to these people, hey, this is a whole new day. You don't have to follow, you know, these 600 Old Testament Jewish laws and then see if you're good enough. Uh, Jesus has done it for you. You need to have faith in Jesus. This is like such incredibly great good news that you, you're now good enough. You don't have to worry about if you're you know, keeping your kosher kitchen and if you're doing everything right and you're not working on the Sabbath. You've got all, you know, all these other laws. You don't have to worry about it. Jesus has made a way for you to be right with God. This is what the Jewish people were, were trying to do. I mean, it's what good Muslims are trying to do. They're trying to work and live so that they can be right with God. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, I've got good news. You are right with God. You, you, you don't have to do all this stuff. I mean, we know this because we've heard the message over and over. But for your audience, for, are you talking to your grandkids? Are you talking to your 20-year-olds? Are you talking to your peers? Somehow or other, what you're trying to do is connect them with the good news of Jesus. Why in their lives is this going to be really, really good news? And uh, that's part of your challenge is to figure out, why is Jesus good news to you? How has Jesus freed and changed and helped, and, and why is he awesome in your life? And uh, then you want to like pass it on to somebody else. Uh, so there is some challenge that you and I have. It's like, okay, who do we want to influence for the gospel? Who's on our hearts? And how are we going to get there? And what is it that we're going to ask them? And then... 
as a good uh, evangelist, you need to be prepared once you've asked somebody that you're going to get one of two responses. You're either going to make people really glad or you're going to make them really mad. And you need to be aware of that. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, there's so many things in life that are like that. When you run, you know, a race, uh, you're either really glad that you did really awesome in your time or you're really mad because you could have done better. When you take an exam, you're either like really glad because you, you, you nailed it or you're really mad because you messed up. I mean, you want to be prepared for that. Uh, and man, their audience, they were really glad. I mean, just listen to this. Uh, verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, people begged them to speak about these things again next week. Has anybody begged you recently to explain like why you believe what you believe? You know, I had dinner with a friend of mine uh, that, that I hadn't connected with for 30 years, and he was begging me to explain like the gospel. He came here for Easter. And one of the things that was so, uh, which is so awesome is smart people always seem to ask good questions. This is, a, this is a great tip for as we figure out how do we do the thing. And he's a super smart person. And like in two seconds, he's just peppering me with like the questions that are relevant to him. Now, the questions that are relevant to him, uh, being a European person, not in church, the most important question to him uh, was, how do I get paid? Oh, wouldn't that be the most important person question for you? It's like, okay, so Rob, uh, how does this work? How do you get paid? I said, well, these people in the congregation. No outside organization? No, no outside organization. Oh, boy, that's got to be rough. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's a walk of faith. He said, that can't be true. It just like can't work. It, it, it's not possible. I said, it is possible. It does work. And so he's got to get his head around that. Once he's got his head around that, he's just like, we'd have dinner together. I mean, I was talking for like an hour and a half. He's just like... He, he said, I got it. I was there for Easter. He said, you invite Jesus into your heart. And when Jesus is inside your heart, he then changes your uh, desires. And it's an internal process. It's a change from inside. He said, I like that. I understand that. I get that. He said, there's something really appealing about that. I said, no kidding. You can't do it in your own strength. This is what Paul was saying. He said, you know, you can work and try and be good. But that's not what God is getting at. He's saying, God is good. Have God, the good person, be in you, and he'll change your desires from within. Once you start experiencing that, man, you just get really excited. It's like God is good. He's good all the time, in good times, in bad times. And you know what? God just does surprising things in our lives all the time, like heal your back, you know, like random. Your back's still feeling good? You're still smiling. I mean, you're actually focusing on me today. This is a good... <laughs> good, Jen. I... I, I I like that. So I do, think, I do think this. Because we don't stand up and get invited to synagogues to preach, our method has to change. Our method isn't that we're going to tell people everything that they don't want to know. Our method is to ask good questions. Ask good questions. Now, uh, like Paul, we want to be strategic in this summer season about some of the things that we want to do. We've got the Timlin race coming up in a few weeks. You're welcome to come and join us with Peyton Faces, blah, 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 do balloon animals. But then people like me want to talk to people that come for their face to be painting about Jesus. Now, I can't stand up there and say, now let me tell you about, you know, how Moses saved these people and 450 years later, you know, this, uh, yeah, whatever, King Saul and David, they'll be like, what's that going to do with 
running and face painting. But I can at least ask them good questions like, does God mean anything to you? Uh, do you go to church? Uh, is faith meaningful to you? Uh, how's that going? Uh, how are you doing with bringing your kids up in the faith? Are you doing a good job? Do you feel adequate about that? Do your kids know Christ? Uh, do they know morality? Are you interested in teaching them that? You know, we can, I can ask questions like that, and I'm actually really interested in the answer. And if they, they then ask me, I can say, well, you know, we have a pretty awesome children's ministry and we can help you raise your kids in faith and we can help you have your kids know Christ or have no morality or no right from wrong if you're interested in that. If you're not interested in that and your life is just perfect and going great and you don't need God, then I don't have anything to offer you. But if your life's not going great and you couldn't help get some help with God, I, I want to make some offers or make some suggestions, some invites. Likewise with you. What are the questions you want to be asking your friends? You know, if you hang out with 20-year-olds and they were in church and they tried and it didn't work, you might want to ask them, how's your life going? Is it going really awesome? You have no anxiety? You feel like God's got a plan for your life and you feel comforted by God? Or how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm, you know, like I graduated, but my life's a misery. Now what? You know, I'm stressed. I've got debt. And ask them questions. And then maybe God will have an answer. All right, I just want to close it out there. Jesus, you need to help us as we need to do what you've called us to do, which is to share your good news in a practical way with those around us. So Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us. You would uh, excite us for the opportunity uh, to see what it is that you're doing with those around us. And Lord, uh, just like the Apostle Paul, that we would get excited when we see you move in our friends' lives, our families' lives, random strangers' lives. And so, Lord, we just pray, use us, help us, equip us, empower us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.